This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Stop relying on that antibody. My name is Keen, and I am writing solo today on this week's episode of Sissy That Pod. If you're new to Sissy That Pod, welcome along. We are a drag race podcast. I normally co-host with my good friend James, and today I'll be talking about a drag race down under episode seven with the comedian and just all around good egg Felix O'Connor if you don't know Felix's work they kind of have a finger in plenty of pies they're a comedian they do some podcasts around the world of film you'll hear in this episode that they have a film degree and yeah some really great insights into this week's episode and a great person to chat to so yes it's just me this week but don't worry for all you James fans James is popping in the middle of the episode because he had a chat during the week with Connor the chairperson of the Dublin Frontrunners you know it's Pride Month we want to highlight some of those really great Pride groups out there that are bringing LGBTQ people together for activities for bonding for strengthening our community so you'll hear that chat too but for now we just want to highlight, if you weren't already aware, that we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And if you'd like to support the show for the price of half a Cosmo for a coffee, for a Twix bar, head over to headstuffpodcast.com. You'll get our internal gratitude and some bonus content, not just from us, but from all the podcasts on our network. So you're going to hear a little snippet from our sibling podcast, Fireside. It's a really great podcast if you love storytelling. But I've rambled on for long enough. Let's get into the show and welcome for the first time, Felix of Connor. Felix O'Connor, thank you for joining us today. You've, thank you, you so much for having me. Anytime. Um, down under, it's it's mixed audiences. People like it, people mm. love it, people think it's great, people think it's awful. Where do you stand? I think so. I've seen I've seen some people saying that it reminds them of like earlier seasons of Drag Race, like circa season four, season five, um, just in terms of the editing, the terms of the the kinds of storylines that they're going for. And I see it. Um, I feel like they're a little bit more obvious <laughs> with the kind of roles they're slotting the different queens into, I feel like. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because there's maybe a different editing team or a different production team for the Down Under show, um, or if it's just they're like, we're going back to basics because it's, it's lower stakes mm. than in the UK or as far as... It's more the, of a blank the... slate, right, for, for Down Under audiences. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like there was an element of that with um, Drag Race UK as well, mm. um, where, well, I mean, obviously there were lower stakes in general because you couldn't have these massive cash rewards. Yes. Where it's like, oh, you get a badge. It's like, okay. <laughs> they're actually giving out like, you know, five grand prizes more or less every every episode on, on Down Under. I kind of find that they're, they're kind of referencing the format of, maybe more than UK was anyway, to be like, you know, mm. when there was sort of mention that could be talent show, Scarlet was like, oh, they only do that on All Stars. And well, Sastra Valora mm. would. And she, you know, it's kind of like, I kind of feel it's like you're kind of breaking the world a bit. I, we're here. We're supposed to believe that this is all new and fresh, the world of Down Under, and you're already referencing other franchises yeah, straight off the bat. Meta. Yeah. But I feel, I mean, I feel, I found that, I found that kind of refreshing in some ways. Okay. <laughs> because like, I mean, every every 
every Drag Race fan has their pet theories, has like, this was rigged, this person was snubbed, Rue doesn't like this person, Rue loves this person, keeps bringing him back, like... Everyone, everyone knows about Alyssa Edwards and Katja. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rue loves Alyssa Edwards. The whole, like, and, like, the Jordan Dior Fierce thing where Rue just, like, doesn't remember who she was. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, a lot of seasons having this stuff, I feel like. Um, but, like, there's a lot of, like, meta, meta gaming within the community, I feel like. And, of course, the queens themselves do this and know this as well. Mm. And so this idea that they're kind of meta gaming while on the show is interesting to me. I think it, it takes it to another kind of... takes it to another level where they're, they're comparing their season to other seasons and being like, oh, what does this mean for our season? How is our season going to be compared to other seasons? Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. I suppose, like, whereas... If it was the US, I kind of understand, but I'm kind of like, it's a blank slate. Rue could get you out there and do Snatch Game week one if he wants to because it's kind of like a whole new thing. Oh, yeah. Well, it was week two. Um, mm, yeah, Rush Yeah, I kind of feel the Aussie queens are somewhat overhyped and underperforming, and the absolute opposite for the, mm. uh, for, the uh, for the Kiwi queens that they're kind of underhyped and overperforming. Like I think Anita was fantastic. Mm. I think it's such a loss that she's gone. She was really, really strong across yeah, the board. Yeah, I was surprised that she was out so early mm. because I really, I thought. I, I could see a little bit of an Alyssa and Coco kind of vibe with Anita and Kida. Mm. Um not like not the not the kind of outward animosity, but uh, a similar kind of oh they there's a there's a pre existing relationship there. Mm. Although I guess there's there's also a pre existing relationship with the two of them and um Electra, um, which I thought was interesting. There was this always like two leveled Kiwi hierarchy. Yeah. Was Anita and, and Kita, and then there was Electra, and Electra has been overperforming because she's kind of she's still here, and I liked her. I did quite mm. well her, right? And there was quite a, a yeah. bitchy beginning to the episode. I quite enjoyed of that sort of Electra versus Scarlet about the splits. Oh, I saw you did the splits. Oh, well, I didn't rely on the splits. And then who? I can't mm. remember who said it was to Scarlet. She was like, "Well, I'm glad you're here. I can't wait to see which course that you're going to wear this week." <laughs> uh, yeah, was that Karen? I might have been Karen. <laughs> Karen or Art? I would imagine. Yeah, because Kita won last week's challenge she gets to choose the running order of the uh, talent show and we know mm. from Drag Race UK season 2 that can cause some drama so I figured uh, it's not going to cause much drama here and do you know what I don't think it actually did but they certainly did their no. best to try oh they tried it was like, <laughs> like Ooh, how are we Ross Kemp on gangs style music to be like Electra sneaking off to producers I'd like to go last it was just so <laughs> over dramatic I know it's. I think it's this season that I've noticed they've been using like knives sharpening sound effects a lot, um, especially for people blinking. Like people, someone will blink twice as like a little bit of a like, and they'll use the like knife sharpening, knife sharpening, and I'm like. The girls have the claws out this season. <laughs> Some, like, that is certainly the implication. Someone in a blacksmith there is, like, sharpening a big sword every yeah, time. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't mind me, I'm the executioner. <laughs> I feel they, they definitely, there's a lot of cut to reactions across the whole series mm. with everything. Like, I think one of the best ones in this week was when Rue said to Electra kind of that her makeup wasn't great and Scarlett is like on the other side of the room nodding, wide-eyed, being like, mm, exactly, mm-hmm. you know. There just seems to be lots. And I feel like that's some that's some editing 
witchcraft there because someone like pointing and going like mm, i think that's a response to a conversation that's going on later in the episode i don't think oh, right, okay i don't think it's as obvious no, yeah no because i know um i'm sure you've seen these as well they're like compilations of, of people putting together conversations or fights on drag mm. race i know there's there's a couple of very obvious ones on season four the way that the argument's been constructed is stretched out over a much longer period of time <laughs> than it actually would have taken place at. Like, and one of the episodes that is kind of infamous for it is the the one in season four where they're making a boat. Oh yeah, uh, they make the pride boat thing, and because Willem is covering her boat with stickers of her face. You can see, and it keeps cutting back to Willem, and you can see the number of stickers on the side of the boat goes up and goes down and goes up and goes down. <laughs> so the the full argument has been basically constructed, or at least some of the little jibes that, um, or the little jabs that some of the other queens are getting in. Because mm. um, I, I think that might be the Party City argument as well. <laughs> like, it's mm. it's wild how much it's kind of been constructed. Yeah. But I, I think there's an element of that with um, with Scarlet's reaction. But you can see it. I mean, I'm, more, I'm not, I'm, like, my surprise there wasn't necessarily that I, I'm surprised that this happens. I'm totally aware. Sure, even sometimes when they're putting on makeup, they have less makeup on than they did in the shot before because, you know, of the mm. secrets. But I, I just thought it was yeah. a perfect shot for that because of what Scarlett would say to that anyway. But it did make me think, oh, I was like, so yeah. is everyone there cameraed up when Drew's talking to somebody? Everyone, everyone has a camera person on them waiting for a reaction. Is it just Scarlett? Is that this narrative? So yeah. But then sometimes when mm. I start to think about these mechanics, I'm like, no, Keen, you're ruining the fun. You're ruining the magic. <laughs> no one wants to see inside baseball. That's yeah, it, exactly. though. I mean, I mean, I've got a film degree. So whenever I watch anything, film or TV, especially reality TV, um, because I, I did a, I did an entire course on documentary and we talked a lot about how reality TV is constructed mm. and how how to make a documentary and how to construct a narrative even in pre-production and then how to kind of adapt that narrative if you're not getting what you want and how to how to kind of like write the script as you're as you're fl- build the plane as you're flying essentially mm. <laughs> which is it's all documentary and it's most reality TV as well um, because it's supposed to be live. It's supposed to be. Um, it's supposed to be authentic reactions, and if you don't have the footage, you can't construct the narrative. So a lot of the time, you have to kind of double back and, and figure out what you can do. Yeah, um, and you see so that... that's that's completely ruined watching anything for me. So I'm like, let me share that with the world. <laughs> and you definitely see it with the talking heads because they're purposely made. Mm-hmm homogenous so that they can slide slide it in wherever you want like we've heard jinx monsoon talk about that one time she cried on series five in the talking head that was used mm. three or four times across the season you know so anything in the talking heads mm. i i do sort of feel mm, you know this is skeptical and mm. also you know like in Electra this episode when she knows she's ultimately going to go home that they're told okay big up come on we want your narrative of this episode to be that you're going to do really really well so that it's a surprise but you don't do well like I can see through all of that. Something that uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but something something that frustrated me a lot about this particular season is like how little time, um, how little time it felt that uh, Jojo Soho had like in the competition in general. When like she's the only indigenous queen, she's one of two queens of color, um, and gone episode one and like something that frustrated me about um 
Art Simone coming back is that like felt it felt strange to me that they were like, oh, we're just gonna bring this person back. It it felt like, um, you know, an overreach from the producers that they were like, oh, we we wanted this person to do well. <laughs> That's literally I don't know. it. it felt like, I think you did right. Like they yeah. they were like, okay, we'll cast Art. Art's gonna be our winner, and then Art doesn't win, so they're mm. like, oh, should we, we'll just bring them back. Should be fine. People will love it online. But it's like, but also, you know, Jojo had probably the most interesting story in terms of the indigenous mm. heritage and seeing that on a drag, um, on a drag stage. Now, ultimately, the drag we kind of saw from her at the time was definitely lower than arts, but maybe that would have changed over the course of the mm. series. So I can't remember the, the first look she did on the first runway, but the second look with the um, always was... Um always will be um kind of statement mm, yeah um i thought that was cool and the hair was fantastic mm. um uh, kind of a nod to to indigenous culture there and like it just it felt like she was it felt like she was very harshly judged it also like it felt like the editing was kind of trying to make her out to be a bit of a villain as well and i know the show has like the show has such a history of vilifying queens of color already i mean infamously with season 10 with the vixen mm. Um, particularly, like, outspoken queens of colour who try and do make points about racial justice. Um, And it just felt like it was kind of sliding back a little bit on some of the progress it's made in more recent seasons. You did say it felt like season one or whatever. It felt like early season. Yeah, like, literally, it's kind of, it's falling back into the kind of cattiness, I feel like. And um, I don't know, I just, I would have liked for... I I just I feel like I mean with the with the benefit of hindsight at this point like art still hasn't won a challenge art has done well and has had some good looks and has had some good um some good challenges but she still don't want a challenge <laughs> despite the fact that she came back in what episode four yeah and I find I think she's very difficult to warm to as well I kind of find um, mm. but yeah it is it's been a weird choice from the producers yeah. I just, I feel like even if they were going to rig it, I would have preferred if they gave the other Eliminated Queens a chance to compete Mm. to come back. I just, it's, mm, yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. Mm. So, anyway, yeah, the drama about the lineup, ultimately, um, was there any Sabo, as they said? I'm not sure if there was any Sabo, but the the running order was Karen, Art, Kita, Scarlett, and Electra. Electra got her choice to come last don't know if it was hmm. that good of a choice really in the end yeah well i think it, i think it was a confident it was a she was she was confident that she would leave a lasting impression because when you're when you're closing yeah. it's kind of i mean i know in comedy it's kind of the headline slot is the last one and so if you're a very strong performer the last slot is the one people are going to remember the most if you do well hmm. and mm, the most if you do badly as well <laughs> so it's a risk yeah but if it pays off it's it's a high reward unfortunately she did because she came after scarlet mm. and scarlet was you know hands down the best mm. i think it ultimately fit, played against her maybe if she'd gone before she mightn't have especially how she looked compared to scarlet you know that yeah. was what they were looking for as well let's talk about karen and her and her chat with rue when karen was like hey rue i'm gonna be doing a bit of clowning and some balloons and rue goes but i gotta be sexy <laughs> And this what about a sexy a, clown? <laughs> a 
fucking spiral from Karen. Like, big time. Yeah. Don't know what I'm going to do. Putting on a boot, taking off a boot. Ah. I... I have such an issue with the issues that Rue and Michelle have with character queens. I think they don't understand them. I think... Well, like, it might... There's an element of a cultural thing there as well, because I feel like doing a character is slightly more common in the UK, and I just don't think that Michelle... (laughs) I just don't think that Michelle and Rue understand having a character. We saw it with Ginny Lemon in Drag Race UK season two, they were like, have you thought about being sexy? And it's like, Ginny Lemon has such a a concrete and such a an identifiable brand. And the brand is not like sex appeal, but that's what she's comfortable it's with. It's anti-sex appeal. Yeah, in a way. It's, like it, it's very like... It's Crocs, it's floral granny patterns. Yeah. It's a tartan trolley to the shop. Exactly. No, that's Ginny Lemon. But it's it's also like, it's a very... It's... it's I don't want to say it's it's a one-note character because it's very much not. Um, but it's, it's a defined character. It has clear limits around what Ginny Lemon does. You even see it with like... Things like the the issues they've had with, like, Max in Season 7 or Dusty Ray Bottoms in 10. Like, it's like, oh, I, I am this character and I do this thing. Mm, no, I don't like that. <laughs> do something different. And it's like, well, but that's... I don't... I just... I don't think they get it. <laughs> it frustrates me. And I think... Yeah. I mean, coming, like, as a trans person as well, I think it was... It was kind of painful second-handedly for me to see um the like Ginny Lemon's kind of transformation and the the dysphoria that she seemed to be feeling around some of that or the there was there was some gender stuff going on I know she she spoke a little bit about um being non-binary and her kind of discomfort with uh like expressing in a very explicitly like sexy feminine way hyper feminine yeah Yeah. and i'm like i think that's like as a non-binary person as a trans person like that's something that i could relate to um and i don't think it's quite to that same extent with karen but i feel like there is like this is what i'm comfortable with and it's not hypersexual like, very traditional, like, female impersonation drag. It is, I am doing this Mm. character, and this character has these limits, and while I know the competition is about, like, stepping outside of your comfort zone, I think comfort zones exist for a reason sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But also, it's the the hypocrisy. So, like, Mm. I mean, I would say Karen is a female impersonation drag. She's just impersonating different types of women than exactly, the women who are, yeah. you know, on magazines. And it's just, you know, we don't get Scarlet being told, give us a character, give us a frumpy lady, give us a granny. It's yeah. always, you're fine because you're looking sexy. Yeah. We have a really touching moment from art, actually. And if there was any point that art put the art in heart, it was this moment. So basically there was a conversation on death threats and art tells a upsetting story about when they were performing as a sort of drag choir in an event instead of Santa Claus, which led to them getting a series of death threats and abuse, one of which was from their own family, from a from somebody who was kind of going through their own sort of 
gender journey but ultimately didn't feel support and then were lashing out at art who was there getting all this praise for their sort of gender performance um and unfortunately for that person it kind of it ended in suicide uh, the kind of takeaway for me from that was you know just the reminder that hurt people hurt people and you don't know what's going on and why people at the end of a twitter account or an instagram comment are reaching out and if you once you can put together oh well they're doing that because they're hurt themselves it kind of takes the power out of it yeah i do think it's um yeah i think it's i think it's extremely common within within the lgbt like plus community that people kind of lash out at each other because because they're having their own hard time because they're having their own mental health issues because maybe there's jealousy at play maybe there's uh, like something something we see in the trans community a huge amount is um uh, people who are maybe a little bit older who've had a really difficult time coming out and being accepted may not may still not be accepted by family members and that kind of thing and they look at this younger generation um who have an easier time coming out and there can be a lot of kind of a lot of jealousy and kind of vitriol within the community where it's like, well, you haven't suffered like I have, so you don't know what it's like. Um, mm. And I think it does come down to that kind of hurt people, hurt people. And we need to, we need to have patience and empathy with each other and kind of maybe not become the best of friends at the end of it, because it's not that simple a lot of the time. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's always, it's always really important to kind of consider where someone else might be coming from. Um. Yeah. yeah, but also, I mean, so not I mean, reading I, the comments is a great is a great piece of advice from Rue as well, or from from Raven even. Fair play to Art. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. An important kind of an important. And thing even that little up. message at the end to be like, girls, if any of you ever want to chat, like I'm here and stuff like kind of. You don't hear that enough. Yeah, too, I really respected her for that. Oh, did you? What did you think of um Electra and, and Raven having a little flirt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> incredibly uh, unreciprocated from Raven's I don't know attitude. I felt like there oh, was a little something going on oh, did you? I thought there was a little spark <laughs> I don't know but I, I think Electra is very attractive out of drag so I think Electra's attractive I also think Raven's attractive yeah. but I, I was like I'm pretty sure Raven has a long term partner I think but so but there's, a, there's always a little you bit can flirt, of yeah, yeah, you can, you can kiss a hand and not touch yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> Let's get into the talent show. So up first was Karen with her sexy balloon making. It is good in principle. Yeah. Very poor execution, I thought. Yeah, I don't... um, Fun fact about me, actually. When I was about 15 years old, I taught myself how to make balloon animals on the internet. (laughs) And... Maybe I was younger. I was fourteen. Yeah, um, I taught myself how to but make balloon animals le- on the internet. Lesson one is a dog, right? Surely that's oh, the easiest. Oh, it's one, one of the easiest ones. Like other than like a snake, which is you don't do anything. <laughs> 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 There's a dog. Now, in fairness, I only knew how to make like three or four different things. But I, I taught myself how to make balloon animals, and I would like, uh, I my mum worked for this like after school kind of center activity kind of center at the time she was she was teaching like after school french and she was like oh they do like they do children's parties there on the weekend sometimes why don't you tell them that you can make balloon animals and maybe get a gig (laughs) and so i did like three birthday parties i got paid 20 quid for each which was (laughs) 
a lot for a 14 year old with no job <laughs> it's also a lot for three different balloon animals but they yeah well listen half of the half of the half of the kids were like actually i want a snake so i can do my own thing and i was like oh but that makes me look really bad <laughs> it makes me look like i don't know how to do anything but yeah i could do a mouse i could do you know the mouse where you just you blow it up a tiny bit and you do a little like the kind of head of a oh, dog yeah. and it's got a long tail and you can pull it and kind of let it go and it kind of catapults across mm. the room. That's fun. Mm. Um, I could do a sword. Um, oh, I could yeah. do so, I could do some more complicated things, but they always took more than one balloon, and that felt a little bit. It felt a little bit much um, for yeah. like five year olds. <laughs> but I feel you know this is this is. A dog, a balloon owl, is the equivalent of an H&M dress, right? Yeah. I feel if you're going to go out there, I want a fucking parakeet. I want mm. a narwhal. I want some obscure-ass animal in terms of a balloon. And we got a little poodle. Yeah. Like, there are so many things that you can do in terms of, like, bait and switch as well. You can, like... You can start with a dog or you could like, you could act like, oh, it's not going right and it's not, it's not going well. And you're throwing balloons around and you're being like, oh, well, actually. And then you like take all of them and you put them together and it turns into like a big thing. Something like that. That was something I was expecting. Mm. And then the dog was done and she was like, great, I'm done. Bye. See ya. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to cash in my 20 euro then. Um, Yeah, I was disappointed. But look, maybe in your future, you can start your own great. Irish celebrity balloon animal making. Maybe, off. maybe I should I should rediscover my roots. Who knows? Absolutely, you should get like Brezzy, you know, Ros Purcell, Dana, and they can compete in making balloon animals for cheap. For yeah, TV. listen, like uh, like the voice, but you just hear a bunch of squeaking, <laughs> <laughs> and then they turn around with their like, finished. what is it? Oh, it's a dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next up was art. Now, this is how to turn a very, a, 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 an unimpressive talent into an impressive show, right? Mm. You know, she has a big mouth, but it was that that actually wasn't what was interesting about it. It was the build up. It was the it was the performance. The it was the, am I gonna yeah. yeah? Am I gonna bite the pie? Am I not gonna bite the pie? What am I gonna do? And then it goes in. It was just a masterclass of mm. suspense and you know show personship. Yeah, I do think, have you, are you familiar with a show called Griffin's Amiibo Corner on YouTube.com? Okay, so this is just this awkward nerd who was reviewing Amiibos um, by putting them in his mouth. <laughs> so he would like he would you know he would hold them up and be like this is mario everyone knows mario he is everyone's favorite jumping boy he jumps on the mushrooms and he eats the mushrooms he's got a lot of mushroom based attacks now let's see um as as the red man says let's a go and then he puts it in his mouth and like stretches stretches his cheeks around it it's very absurd it's I want to say, like, peak internet shit posting. <laughs> it's very good. Um, he goes on this weird kind of digital odyssey later on in the series. Um, but the, <laughs> the, the fitting things in your mouth um, brand has forever been... It will forever, in my mind, be compared to Griffin's Amiibo Corner. <laughs> and compared to that, I felt like art fell short in many ways. But it's also such a different, a different approach to putting things in one's mouth. Um, and I liked mm. I liked the little bait and switch of oh no there's nothing in this um, there's nothing under this cloche uh, let me let me put my fist in my mouth 
I feel like she could have put oh, more of her fist in her mouth, yeah. maybe. She could have gone up to the wrist, but... I mean, for me, Jade Goody will always be the OG fist-in-mouth girl. She could get, like, mm. face down to her elbow, I think. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> that is your legacy. Important. <laughs> Next up was Ketamine with her um, magical dress reveals and i was thinking before we went into this i was like we see a lot of reveals surely at this point now i'll have an idea how they work hmm. no yeah <laughs> i was i was gobsmacked they were I impressive was, yeah i was well and truly hoodwinked by this uh by this performance um i'm sure there's i know um i i know in musical theater and stuff there's a lot of like different tips and tricks different ways of doing quick changes and stuff but i was like I'm fooled. I've been, I've been, the wool is pulled over my eyes. (laughs) Well and truly. Especially the one that changed as we looked at it. She dropped those bits of tinsel down and it changed. And it changed, yeah. I was, like, there must have been some kind of, like, maybe Velcro at the top that kind of dropped down. But I, like, maybe if I watch it frame by frame, I can see how it, how it was done. Maybe it's like one fastening on one shoulder and as she distracts you with the dropping mm. up, she lets go of it, it all falls down possibly. But yeah. I thought it was no, fantastic look, though. The ruin yeah. ruin Michelle didn't go for it. They were like, Oh, it's great, but we hated what you wore, which is a trend we will we will soon yeah. discover. Next up was Scarlet and we've seen All Stars Five talent show, Shea Coulee did a great pole routine to a really cool song. But this was better. This was mm. really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like Scarlett. <laughs> I don't like her as a person. I think her drag is kind of... I think it's kind of basic. Not basic, I think it's kind of predictable. I don't think it's it's mm. basic, but... I, she Like, I have, I have similar issues with her that I do with, like, Violet Chachki, where I'm just like, she's pretty, she's got a small waist. Like, I just, I don't find it particularly interesting. Um... And that's me. Like, that's my personal taste. I know that, like, there is a lot of skill that goes into it and everything. And I'm not trying to kind of demean that. But at the same time, I'm just like, ugh, you're still here. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I also, like, I think that most of the queens who have gone home are more interesting, at least to me, than Scarlet in many ways. But the pole dancing was very impressive and I was there for it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is going to win. It's good. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I felt that the pole dancing for me was the thing that was like, okay, so you're not just a pretty fashion girl. You actually mm. have some element of technical skill. Like, because, I mean, you know, you can't just be skinny and do that. You need to be strong and flexible mm. and supple and stuff. So that made me feel, okay, there's actually there's actually a lot more to you that I possibly have given you credit for. Mm. But ultimately, whenever I see her do well, I'm like, but she can't win because of the blackface, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't... I do wonder if the um, addressing the multiple cases of blackface and cultural caricature, um, I do wonder if addressing that a couple of episodes ago is like an attempt to be like, oh, but she apologized and she's tried to make amends. So actually it's fine if she wins, uh, like from the producers and from uh, like Rue and Michelle and stuff. Um, I feel for the for the f- finale, like the who wins, because that there's always multiple endings filmed for mm. that, right? So whoever wins, it tends to be down to the fans. I think the fans yeah. do choose the winner. 
with the only exception being season two of Drag Race uh, UK. But I, I think hmm. now that it's all wrapped and they have their multiple endings in the go, they would be foolish to let Scarlet. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they want that heat. Uh, no. Certainly not now. But no, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just, it's it's frustrating <laughs> to me. One question I actually had, though, was, could none of them talk during their performance? Nobody spoke. It was all just, like, background music and, like, no one said, hey, welcome to my show, I'm going to do some balloon animals for you. It was all, like, to music. Yeah, it, it might have been a mic thing. Um, that would be my guess, but I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> you would have, like, I'm sure... Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. Because um, we've had magic on the show and stuff before. I mean, it might just be a matter of, like, they were all kind of doing... Um, like, none of them were singing. None of them were doing spoken word. It was all... Um, it was all kind of performance. None of them needed the mic. Yeah, I thought Keita could have benefited from a mic to sort of set up the set up the joke a bit more. Kind yeah, because you know. I'm as a kind of recurring... Um, criticism that she got was that it took a it took a bit of time to get to the first change, and so she was kind of just mm. walking around, um, and like yeah, I do I do feel like some showmanship could have, you know, a little bit of kind of priming the the audience for it could have been uh, helpful there, but it's also like you don't you don't want to start waffling <laughs> to try and distract like that can in some ways betray a lack of confidence in mm. the act on its own so i feel like it could have it, it could have helped but it also could have hurt just as equally finally then electra uh came out with her um contemporary dance style i thought this was quite commanding i loved how they had the sort of celtic river dance somewhat music yeah over it. it was very folky Mm, it was. Um, yeah, I thought she looked great. You know, I had an issue with the hair, but I was like, that's kind of the shtick. But, like, I think you're supposed to be able to mess with the hair and then it falls back even with contemporary. Hmm. But I thought it was really strong. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, yeah, I see the issues with the wig. And, I mean, there is an element of, like, she's not coming into the competition with a whole lot of, like, money compared to a lot of the other queens. Uh, she doesn't have a whole lot of reputation. Um, and she said, like, yeah, my makeup's not great, my hair is not, my wigs aren't great, they're kind of cheap. I, I wonder if, like, well, she's, she's, she's got such an under, underdog kind of arc at this point that makes me wonder, like, oh, maybe if she was less kind of proud about it, she would have maybe been able to, like, I don't know, borrow a wig from another queen She's probably not going to borrow something from Kida because they have such different styles of drag. But maybe Anita when she was going home. Uh, we do see her at the Saudi episode handing back breast pads to Kita. Mm. I suppose that is different. So yeah. So I don't know. I mean the, but yeah, the wig is it's it's very dry and it kind of it it does look like I don't know uh, a bale of straw on her head or something. Yeah. Thirsty. <laughs> Thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> Thirsty. <laughs> 
Connor, uh, chairperson of the Dublin Frontrunners, thank you very much for coming in to chat to us today as Sissy.pod endeavours to force our listeners out to be active now that we're able to do so again in group formats. Um, can you tell us a bit about the Frontrunners? I suppose how you guys were impacted over the last year by the, the pandemic and, and not being able to meet in person. Well, in a nutshell, I suppose the way we were impacted is that we had to sort of close down effectively, you know, um, all the guidelines that came in. I mean, we've, we followed them as closely as possible when whenever they've been changed. Um, but basically, we just had to all stop meeting. We couldn't train together. Um, everything was put on hold. So um, we've just recently started back training again in pods of 15, which is what the government guidelines state. So... Uh, we're using uh, the Meetup app because we have to register people and we have you know track and trace and all that sort of stuff. So we are able to meet in small groups of 15. Um, so we've uh, four groups on a Monday, four groups on a Wednesday and five groups on a Saturday. So Oh, wow. Busy. Yeah. You guys would be, you're probably the biggest kind of LGBT sports group in the in the country, I'd imagine, at this stage. <laughs> we are! We are. Uh, <laughs> we are. Um, yeah, so we, uh, that rough count, we have about two, 280 members. Yeah. Um, now, it, it, it varies all the time. I mean, we had a little bit of a drop-off during COVID because obviously we couldn't do anything, so people were like, mm. and now it started to pick up again because we were, we're back yeah. and we're starting to get uh, there's I think there's a real appetite and a great interest in being able to do something uh sports related where you can meet people where it's outside where it's safe and I think everybody has put on a couple of kilos during COVID so <laughs> everybody's interested in trying to shift those so I think there is a, a newfound interest in yeah or activities and I think as well, like you were saying there about the just the wanting to meet people. So like with something like the, the running club, like you guys will meet all levels. So that like, as I know that yeah. if you're coming along right from the very beginning, I saw you guys were running like a couch to 5k over the last yeah. while. And it really yeah. is like all inclusive, whoever, like if, you, if you've never done running before, or you've never done any kind of sports thing before, there's a great social aspect to the, the club as well. So it kind of meets both of those needs. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think a lot, a certain um, certain people have a perception that if it's a sports group, so rugby, uh, soccer, running, anything like that, you have to be of a level where you can uh, you have to be really fit, you have to be really yeah. healthy, you have to have done this before. That's completely untrue. And I know other sports groups, um, particularly LGBT sports groups, they have like beginner sections. They have intro events and we are the exact same so normally we we find new members through our couch to 5k programs this year we've been doing it as a virtual thing and uh, normally it's in person but i never ran before i joined the club um so i mean if i can do it anybody can and <laughs> it's it's something that you build up over time it's like you never like you never pick up a tennis racket and all of a sudden you're excellent mm-hmm. at tennis that that, and it's the same with any sport. It's just something you have to practice that and keep going with. But it's, running is one of the most democratic because it doesn't matter your fitness level, your age, gender, anything like that. Anybody who's physically able to run can run. So yeah. it's something that is very simple 
uh, to do, which will give you a lot back in relation to your fitness and all those sorts of things. And your mental health as well. I mean, I know I started running at the beginning mm. of the and now I'm like, you know, it's I need to get out like at least four or five times a week and it's as much for clearing my head, keeping myself yeah. kind of, you keeping getting blowing away the cobwebs and all that it is like it's a it's it's a brilliant activity to get into because it has the social aspect and then also like the the the, the personal like inside your your own brain stuff yeah the other thing as well i was going to ask you about was that i suppose for years now the big kickoff of dublin pride has been the the pride run so obviously yeah. being held in a rather unconventional virtual sense but happening all the same this year absolutely um we didn't do it last year um, obviously lockdown started in March and the Pride run is June and it was such um, I think when lockdown happened in March we're like okay we'll be back in April and you know <laughs> I expected this to go on as long as it did and then by the middle of May we kind of realised look this is not going anywhere and it was too short notice to try and start planning a Pride run so unfortunately we had to knock it on the head for that year but we made a conscious decision this year that it would be back in whatever format we could do it which was safe so we are doing our first ever virtual Dublin Pride run so you register the same as normal you get really cool merchandise the same as normal it's just unfortunate that you, we can't all do it together so normally we have around um, a thousand people, 1200 people doing the Pride Run. Um, but literally, just before I got on the, the call with you, I found out that our registration numbers are already at 700 for this year, which, wow. is, considering yeah. it's a virtual run, is unbelievable. We were hoping for 500 max because it is a virtual race, but we are hoping that we will actually hit a thousand registrations this year again, which is just fantastic. Really, really good. Thrilled. No, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, and I suppose like you guys always do it in partnership with one of the LGBT charities as well. I know a portion of yep. the, the money goes to charity. Who are you doing it for this year? We are doing it with Outhouse, and it's not a portion of the money. It's all the money, all oh, the money raised. Fantastic. I had I was being generous and assuming that you needed to keep some stuff for admin running of the stuff, <laughs> but no, not even even better. All of it crazy. So the last couple of years, um, we've actually you know kind of spread the love a little bit. We've had two or three charities a year, and um, this year because we thought numbers were going to be really low, we decided maybe we should focus on one charity and try and give them as much money as possible. But um, they're going to hopefully have a bit of a windfall. Uh, once the Pride runs over and we'll be able to donate to them, which is brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and lastly, I suppose you guys, as you, you already mentioned that you're running in the pods of, of 15 and you've got multiple times on over the course of the week and over the weekend. If people are interested and wanted to, I suppose, to sign up to come along to that, where can they go to find that information? Uh, we have our website, dubfrontrunners.ie. Uh, but we're also on Facebook and most popularly on Instagram. That's a really good way to get in touch with us. Either myself or Gillian, she's the social secretary of the club, uh, will reply to you there. So if you have any questions, um, we just get you signed up. Normally, um, we do allow people to come along for kind of a test run just to see how they get on for the first time. But unfortunately, with COVID, track and trace, yada, 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 we do have to have people as a registered member first. So it's ridiculously cheap to sign up uh, incredibly good value and you should do it so uh, it's very cool to register as a member and then once you're a registered member you can come along to any of the runs that you want to yeah no I, I fully I fully recommend it I mean 
I, I, I'm I'm a, a legacy member in that I joined a few years ago and forgot to rejoin. But I support I, you guys. <laughs> up on the, the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, that's good. I, I, I would hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, but the last, last thing, this, as this is a Drag Race podcast, I have to ask you, when you are out there and you are like hitting your maximum stride, what is the Drag Race or Drag Race adjacent song that is blaring in your ears? I, I actually have three because you should never just sort of like take off with a run. So uh, my intro song would be main event. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of it's kind of slow, but it kind of builds. Uh, my one when I'm kind of like my face is up a little bit more would be champion. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And then when you're doing your like your cool down or whatever, I would do sissy that walk because it's a really good song to strut to. Once upon a time. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? My name is Kevin C. Olhan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. Let's get on to these runway looks. So, uh, category was How's Your Head Peace? Mm. First up was Karen. I thought this, you know, oh no, she yeti don't <laughs> pink massive hairpiece was was really really commanding and, and I thought it was impressive. great. Yeah, you know, it was very. I know they said uh, Horton hears like all those <laughs> was yeah. one of the kind of jokes, and yeah, it was very very Doctor Doctor Seussian, um, mm. just uh, that kind of like those a lot of the animations in in some of those books they have these kind of massive gravity physics defying um headpieces or hair pieces and um yeah i thought it was super impressive i i really liked it actually uh, later on in, in untucked when she takes off the wig she has this cute little kind of pussycat wig on underneath and i was like is that a wig or is that her hair because it looks good it's cute <laughs> i don't know that's <laughs> a polished look though she put on another wig for the critiques in case she had to lip sync, I think, which is oh, okay. normally not what they're allowed to do. So that was mm. interesting. Um, now, next up was Art. And Art wore this Marie Antoinette, uh, the, the judges called it Vivian Westwood, butterfly foliage moment. And although I can look at it and be like, that looks nice. I don't know. I just thought I've seen Art in this before. I've seen mm. her in this sort of like Marie Antoinette cage dress. Compared to Karen and Kita and Scarlett, it was far too small of a headpiece for me mm. to be kind of for the category. So I th this was disappointing. Yeah, I do feel like there's there's a kind of sameness to a lot of Art's runways. Um, mm. And again, I feel like this kind of comes back to the double standards that we see with like having a defined brand and knowing what you're about versus not stepping out of your comfort zone and the different reactions that that same kind of... That basically they're kind of two sides of the same coin and the difference is whether or not 
Rue and Michelle are rooting for you already. <laughs> and they, they like you as a as a person and as a performer. Because um, I feel like, you know, when Karen does very similar things a lot of the time, they're like, give us more, give us something different, give us sexy, give us... Don't, don't just be funny. And it's like, well, that's my thing. <laughs> Whereas... You don't get the same thing from from art doing the same makeup and doing, you know, like seventeenth century, kind of re- uh, not Renaissance. What is it like? A, um, you know, French aristocracy kind of vibes. Kizamine was up next with this sort of like anime purple light up uh, pr- um, hair and ponytails, mm. platforms and white contacts. This I think was my favorite of the night. Oh yeah, I think this was incredible. I maybe my second favorite because I really liked Electra's look, but um, okay. I thought the I thought it was, like it was a very cohesive kind of piece. I thought the kind of metallic like outfit. Did she have shoulder bits or was it the boobs? Um, it was. Kind I think of she like had metal-y. like uh, like high up on her arm. There was mm. kind of like a band there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really cool, and the hair was amazing. Um, really not like anything we've kind of seen from anyone this season i just thought it was very original mm. um and very yeah. cool and a great way to change up the aesthetic whilst yeah but still making it look like complete and finished and polished like if you can remember um like aja's look on all stars three that's mm. sort of like you know japanese street fighter yeah or, you know something like that i think when they're done well they really really work yeah absolutely Scarlet with her Ziegfeld Follies sort of cream ostrich feather extravaganza. I mm. mean, yeah, she. I think look, she, you can't argue. She looked great. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was a it was a showstopper. Hmm. I yeah, she deserved to win this week. I'm just I'm just <laughs> annoyed about it. <laughs> she did well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you could like that after that pole dance. You're like. Okay, look, she has it. She has it yeah. And finally then, um, Cabaret, Moulin Rouge, Sex Swing, you know, little uh, Sally Bowles haircut mm. from Electra. Yeah, this is one of the best she's looked. Again, yeah. it probably could have been some slightly bigger. It was like 80% there. Like if Ketamine had done it, it would be, I think, an extra 20%. Yeah. But uh, it was it was great. I think it was fantastic. Yeah, I it, I think it's my favorite runway from Electra and my favorite runway this week in general. Um, I guess a bit of a shame about the um, shame about the performance uh, or not even the performance was good. Shame about that wig. <laughs> Burn that wig, girl. <laughs> like... So look, I think I think we we both agree that Scarlett was the justified winner, no matter how mm. we feel about her, based on both the the show and the runway. But did you agree with the bottom two? No, I thought it was going to be... I mean, everyone, like, in Untucked, they also thought it was going to be Karen and Elektra. Um, you know, if I'm again, if I'm going to be cynical and kind of look at the metagaming of it, I think they might have been worried that if they put Karen in the bottom with Elektra, that Elektra would be too clear of a winner compared to Karen, because we've seen Karen lip-sync before and she's not the strongest dancer. Um... So yeah, I can see why they did it, and I do think that it was Electra's time to go, probably, as much as I like her and as much as I've enjoyed seeing her kind of blossom. Oh, I also thought that the um 
they they asked all the different queens, all the all the queens like who they thought should go yes. home. And I thought I always forget this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um I I always think whenever whenever this question is asked, so much of it comes down to who goes first. Because if someone who was if someone who possibly underperformed goes first, they're not gonna say themselves. They're gonna say the other person who underperformed and then people are kind of going to jump on that bandwagon. Um, so I think if Electra had gone first, for example, there might have been a more even split between her and Karen. Um, potentially, because Karen also got um, disappointing. Um, kind well, of I mean, Kisa had the opportunity because Kisa is like, you know, Electra's boss. They go way mm. back. We even hear her hear her earlier on in the episode be like it was my what i wanted then i lecture that everyone else like hmm. they are tight and that was keita's opportunity to be like to say karen or art or scarlet so if she wasn't going to say it none of the others were going to say suppose, it i suppose yeah um yeah i don't know i feel like the top four has also been like pretty heavily telegraphed from the beginning i'm i'm hmm. surprised that anita's not in it but after um after the uh, her kind of her burning dress i can i can like they i can see why she was in the bottom two and got sent home so so probably electra was in the bottom two because of the results of the who do you think should go home because that's often Mm. the case so whoever they whoever is the sort of unanimous vote ends up in the bottom two but i personally felt the two performances that showed me the least talent were probably karen and kita even mm. though I really like Keita, I, I enjoy I, like I enjoyed them all pretty much. But Karen's, Keita's was probably the one I enjoyed the least of the of the best for, um, and the only real reason I felt the judges put Electra in the bottom, other than she was chosen by her peers, was because she didn't look good doing the dance. And I'm like, but yeah. that's not really what it's about. It's about like, the since movement. when is what she what she wore in the challenge important? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, I also I also think we. <laughs> that sets it up. But yeah, I don't I don't think RuPaul <laughs> understands or particularly cares for modern dance. modern dance. I think she likes um, she likes lip syncing. She likes. The, well, I don't the think kind of she poppy. liked any of the things that the, the people put forward. She I don't like modern dance. I don't like magic, and I don't like balloons. So there mm. was like real. She likes pole dancing. For, she likes pole dancing. She liked the the tight tuck. Yeah, she was like, "There were no balls. I didn't see any balls." <laughs> That's a talent. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm very talented. Un- it seems. <laughs> in untucked, um, tensions are high, hmm. and they're like, "Do you know what? Let's let's clear the air. Let's get a bit of vibrancy in this room. Let's bring on two of our favorite Australian sisters, the Veronicas." And they just proceed to make things even more tense. <laughs> yeah, they're really like, their feet in it. Who do you guys think should win? Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going also, straight I'm to Reddit here. next. They're leaking all the, they're leaking <laughs> the, all the tea. The tea. <laughs> I'm here for a Veronica's featuring RuPaul. I feel so untucked. You know, I think it'd be <laughs> <Yeah>. perfect. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's, that's a missed opportunity there. You should, you should that wait it. for the production team. <laughs> I feel um, in the actual lip sync there between Electra and Ketamine there's so full disclosure I went to turn on the episode on Webcence Plus and for whatever reason it jumped straight to like the 55th minute and it was Electra going 
oh, I don't know if I can do this. So I was like, oh my God, no, no, back to the side, back to the side, back to the side, back to the side. No, no, no. I was like, oh, she's in the bottom too, blah, 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 blah. So then, so when she does the fake out of, oh, I don't know if I do this, I'm going to go home, psych. That was like an extra fake out for me because I've been waiting for it. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) But now I watched it and I was like, okay, so she didn't walk out, but she basically threw the lip sync anyway. Yeah, she did. Is that how we're reading it? Yeah, I think, well, because she kind of walked around a little bit to start with and... I don't know. I think I think doing a fake out where it's like I give up. Actually, no. Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think if you're gonna do that, you need to come back with something truly spectacular. And the fact that she kind of walked around a little bit before she got into like actually lip syncing, I think that means that it was it was done. It was over. Mm. Maybe I'll just go out on my own terms. And uh, Rue does not like people going out on their own terms. No, no, and it was weird. Search lip sync because I don't think we, or I didn't see it. Maybe you saw it. Did it, did we get the little banner that said "Untucked the Veronicas"? Um, yeah, I think so. Untouched, okay. even. Yeah, Unt- <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck in your own pun. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was taking notes or something at the time, but I was mm-hmm. like, I just felt like a weird start to the lip sync because you could hear those strings going da, 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 da. yeah and and electra's like i don't yeah I just, it just it threw off the whole lip sync and poor kisa couldn't move because she's on those platforms so it mm, was yeah. I, it was an, another in a long list of lackluster lip syncs yeah yeah felix thank you so much for joining us Thank you so much for having me. This has been just you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Anytime. What do you have coming up? The world is opening up. Are we going to get to hear some more comedy? Do you have anything else in the works? Ooh, what am I doing? Um, Myself and my friend Ian, who is another comedian kind of on the Dublin scene, we are starting a podcast about the Animorphs book series <laughs> you know those those cursed um book covers that go around the internet with people turning into animals and the third one is always a mess um yeah so we're, we're gonna be starting a podcast talking about that our current working title is anamorph amigos because uh, it's fun to say so that's a thing i i want to try and get my my own film podcast back up and and re-uploading things season two season three season two i had like two episodes that i released back in 2018 but i don't know that's like a pilot season sort of yeah season two we're gonna try and start um you know getting back into releasing things it's been about a year since i released anything so that's that's coming up that's called not trans trans movies um available everywhere Anamorph Amigos will hopefully also be available everywhere. We'll see. It's We've recorded one episode so far, so hopefully that'll be coming out soon. So there we go. Um, thank you again to Felix for coming in. A really, really great episode. I really enjoyed sort of some insights they brought. And him and his film background made me feel like it isn't just me who's critiquing every sort of shot and direction decision that they make over in Drag Race. We'll be back with you on Thursday for the next episode of Drag Race España. Don't worry, James will be back. For the, for James fans, you know, don't fret. This isn't the King's show anymore. He'll be back on Thursday for another episode of Drag Race España. Until then, have a lovely week and I'll talk to you then. See you. Love you. Bye.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Sometimes when the world wants us to be content, sometimes we just need to settle for being content.